This isn't the start of a bad dad joke, I promise. But three teams walk into the SWAC and MEAC tournament used to dominating it. Only one walks away with that same effect. Oh yeah, it's Locked on HBCU. Play my music. You are Locked on HBCU, your daily podcast covering HBCU sports. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, family? Welcome back to another episode of the Locked on HBCU podcast, your number one daily one-stop shop for everything HBCU athletics, Monday through Friday, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. And I, of course, am Darian Gray, a.k.a. the Mouth of the South, Texas Southern alum and former TSU Herald Sports editor. Thank you for going on this journey with me, making Locked on HBCU your first listen of the day every day. And remember, just because the mic cuts off does not mean that the journey is over. Just means it's time to follow me on Twitter at South Exclusives right here at the bottom of the screen. You see it, but maybe you don't because you're on the audio side of things and that's okay. Don't forget the S on the end. And there was three teams who walked into the SWAC and MEAC tournament used to dominating it. Over the last two years, had a stranglehold on it. There was three teams who walked into this event looking for the three-peat. Norfolk State and Texas Southern on men's basketball side, and then Jackson State on the women's basketball side. Well, how did these teams fare? I'll give you a little bit of a teaser. Only one walked away with the crown. And can I get a drum roll, please? Go to Locked on Jazz for a David Lock drum roll, but... P.J. Henry's clutch performances allowed Texas Southern to pull off the three-peat. You see it. You see it. P.J. Henry's clutch performances are the reason that Texas Southern was able to win their third SWAC championship in a row. Simply wanting the crown, wanting to be the top dog isn't enough. You have to come take that spot. You have to come take that crown. And that's going to be a point that we kind of reiterate every single topic. See, in the wild... When a male lion sees a pride he wants to lead, he has to defeat that male lion in order to take over. Now, we're not talking about lions in the wild fighting over a pride. We're talking about tigers who play basketball in the SWAC fighting over a championship. But the sentiment is still the same. Grambling saw what they probably perceived to be a wounded Texas Southern. Maybe they didn't feel that way because they had made it to the finals at this point. But TSU was the eighth seed. Grambling saw a team that was the old guard. They're the new guard, trying to make it to the NCAA tournament for the first time at the first SWAC championship since 2011. They feel like it's their time. They're co-champions, right? That means they're one of the two best teams in the SWAC. They can knock off Texas Southern. Wrong. They weren't able to do it. Once again, I'm not even bragging. My bragging was just pointing at the flag. From here on out, I'm just going to be breaking down what it is. You can pretend like you don't see the flag. You can pretend like you don't see the flag if that makes you more comfortable or makes you feel like I'm not being braggadocious because I promise you that I'm not. It was P.J. Henry's clutch performances. And honestly, I felt like he was going to need to have these type of performances, especially versus Grambling. And this is one of the reasons that he was able to win tournament MVP. See, last time that we spoke, I talked to you about how John Walker, the third, had a crazy impact on the second half of the game. And that was in the first round versus Alcorn. We've had two games since then. P.J. Henry has had that same effect. He has been the person who has led the charge for TSU to solidify their spot in the second half of each of these games in games two and three. That's why he was the SWAC tournament MVP. 
You look at his game versus Alabama A&M, which was round two. He had 24 of his 26 points in the second half. Caught fire. Took over. He was the big reason why they were able to win that game. You look at the game versus Grambling. He had 11 of his points in the last six minutes. And the reason that's so important is because, obviously, I know you say 24 and you go to 11. It kind of feels like it pales in comparison. But the moment was so much bigger. Because when you look at where the game was at that point, Grambling had all the momentum. It felt like the team was reeling. Up until that point, P.J. Henry was struggling, couldn't buy a bucket with a pocket full of 20s. No disrespect to P.J. I think he's a phenomenal player. I promise I'm not using that joke at your expense. The team was struggling. Things just weren't going right. This was the first time that the game was tied since 19 minutes left in the first half. From the moment that TSU made their first bucket, they were in the lead. Never had a tie. And finally, Grambling had fought back and they had tied the game up at 43. So what does P.J. Henry do? He doesn't stop shooting because shooters shoot. And when shooters shoot enough, they're going to drop. And it dropped. And as soon as he saw that three-pointer, it was his first make in, I believe, six attempts. That was the, the, it was the catalyst for high scoring. Because over the next six minutes, he was able to drop eight more points, including two more three-pointers. When Texas Southern needed it at the biggest moments, whether that was trying to make sure you extend your lead versus Alabama A&M, or if that was just making sure that Grambling doesn't come back in a game when everybody was reeling on Texas Southern, and you needed a steadying presence, P.J. Henry was the guy. He had to have a big game in this game versus Grambling. Because Grambling has great interior defense. TSU did not do well in the paint in this game. But P.J. Henry's ability to shoot from the outside, Barnes' ability to shoot from the outside, was a big reason on why they were able to come up victorious in this game. And now, I ain't going to lie to you. I, I feel like this means even more because they were at the number eight seed. I felt like this was a down year. My guy Vontae, he, uh, he texted me, not texted me, but he tweeted me and was like, it wasn't really a down year. You had this, that, and the third that they were dealing with. And I understand there was process and there was reasons that TSU didn't have the success that they wanted. But when I say it's a down year, I'm definitely not talking about the process to get there, right? But it's the fact of the matter that they were the number eight seed. The wins and losses weren't there. And we talked about that on, on the timeline and whatnot. I'm just really reiter reiterating the, the, the discussion that we had for everybody. But the fact that you were the number eight seed, circumstances around it aside, the fact that you were able to go from the number eight seed and win it all for the first time, I think, in seven years, I believe, nine years, actually, I think it was 2014. My math is just terrible because of pandemic. I blame it on that. Um, <laughs> I lost track of time. But for you to be able to do that, this feels a whole lot sweeter. And that's the best way that I could explain it. The other team that was looking for a three-peat on the men's basketball side is Norfolk State. They were hoping to get their third straight MEAC championship, but unfortunately for them, Howard pulled off a little three-peat of their own, knocking off Norfolk three times in a row, and they were really able to survive a tale of two halves. Before we get into that, today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Built Bar is the number one protein bar on the market, bar none, the Swiss Army knife for protein bars. I've had all of these other protein bars that people love to eat, and I'm going to tell you the truth, and this is coming from me, this is coming from the heart, they pale in comparison to Built Bar, really. You give me a built bar, I might devour it immediately before you finish your sentence. You give me another one of those things, I might hurl it at your eye before you even before you can even blink. Honestly, because that's that's how much better that built bars are compared to these other things. 
They're delicious. They have a bunch of, of different variety of flavors. They have Built Puff, which is marshmallow covered in chocolate. They have the Built Bar, which is just covered in chocolate. In addition to all of these flavors, they're so delicious. They're so good for you. High in protein, low in carbs, low in fat, low in sugar. I can't think of one downside when it comes to Built Bar. I can't think of a singular one. And that's the reason I go to Walmart. I go to Sam's. I give me a four pack, a 13 pack. But most of the time, I just go ahead and go to built.com and use the promo code LOCKED15 so I can get 15% off my offer. Yeah, I like to save money and eat good. It's the best of both worlds. And as we continue rolling with today's episode of Locked on HBCU, I appreciate you for making us your first listen of the day every day. For your second listen, March Madness is here. March Madness is here, so go to Locked On College Basketball. Take your bracket with you. They're going to do the Locked On College Basketball Bracket Breakdown. That's kind of an alliteration there. It's kind of an alliteration there, but make sure you go there and get the best insight so that you can make some money on your bracket because we all know that you're putting money down on that. And Howard survives a tale of two halves to come up victorious and be the MEAC champions in 2023. Now, Ric Flair once said, to be the man, you got to beat the man. You can't be the champion if you don't beat the champion. Now, here's the thing. I watch wrestling. Some people are like, you a grown man watching wrestling? Yeah, I still watch wrestling with my little sister. What about it? But here's the thing. I've seen the champ lose in non-title fights. I've seen the champ lose on a Raw, lose on a SmackDown. But when it comes to the pay-per-view and his belt is on the line, he comes up victorious. So while I was able to see Howard knock off Norfolk State twice in the regular season, swept them, it's different when we get to March. See, that first matchup, that's Raw. That second matchup, that's SmackDown. In March, this is the MEAC tournament. This is the pay-per-view. This is when the title is on the line. It's different. But I thought that they did a good job showing championship grit, something they didn't really have to do at any other point in the tournament. They won all their other games very comfortably. They weren't like Norfolk, who they had to grind it out with North Carolina Central. They weren't in that type of situation. They comfortably kind of coasted to the finals, time-wise, Quality of game, quality of competition wise, I would say not as far as who their opponents were, but how much of a competition they really posed to Howard once the play started. It just was different, but this time they had to use their championship grit and they were able to survive. They were able to survive. And when I say it's a tale of two halves, I don't want to talk about point totals because obviously when you put them together, Howard had more points. Duh. End of story. That's boring. I don't want to have a boring story time with you guys. I want to talk about how they were able to win in the first half. See, in the first half, they did everything right. And then they turned around in the second half and did those same exact things wrong. You defend Joe Bryant and protect the basketball. If you do that, you have a pretty good chance in knocking off Norfolk State. You really do. You have a pretty good job or pretty good chance in knocking off Norfolk State. All you have to do is defend Joe Bryant and protect the basketball. The former is really difficult. I don't want to make it sound easy. But in the first half, Howard did it. They held Joe Bryant to no points. They only had six turnovers in the first half. It's not a surprise that you were able to come up with a six-point lead going into the second half. Now, I don't know what kind of pep talk. I don't know what kind of built bars that Coach Jones handed out to Norfolk State. But something happened because Norfolk State, the Spartans, came out with a completely different energy surge in the second half. Joe Bryant began to show why he was the MEAC player of the year, show why he is one of the best players in Norfolk State history. He was able to show exactly why he was doing that. I thought that Elijah Hawkins often had good 
defense on him didn't matter. And then sometimes he didn't. Sometimes he, he lost them, right? It, it was a mixture, mixture of both, but it wasn't like Hawkins was just playing terrible defense. No, Joe Bryan was making a lot of difficult shots. He showed why he is the man. And when he heats up, the Howard, or excuse me, the Norfolk State offense heats up. Who would have thought, right? But you're not doing yourself any favors when you turn the ball over 10 times. Howard is one of the worst teams in, in all of NCAA when it comes to protecting the ball. I think they're the third worst team, or they have the third most turnovers, I'll put it that way, in all of the NCAA, average the third most. That's terrible. They were able to kind of calm that down in the first half. In the second half, it reared his ugly head in a major way. So how do you win? Because most times when people say it's a tale of two halves, it's a cliche used to describe a dramatic momentum shift. And typically the team who wins that second half is the team we're talking about winning. And I'm not going to say that they did a good job weathering the storm because I genuinely don't believe that Howard did. I believe that Howard did a good job surviving at the end. And they survived with three crucial moments. Three crucial moments, all kind of different. One, air quotes, controversial. One was just very beneficial. And one was, well, that was just great play by Howard. I won't take that away from him. I'll start off with that one. And that was Marcus Dockery's three-pointer with 16 seconds left. It was the first three-pointer he made all game. It was the first three-pointer he made all game. And he was trying. Just wasn't knocking them down. Just was not knocking them down. But in that moment, of course you close the gap and that's a big deal. But you close the gap to one point instead of two. And because you close the gap to one point and not two, you now win the game with what we know in hindsight. Had that been a two-pointer, we would have went into overtime. Period. Just what it wouldn't we didn't have an opportunity to shoot a three. They didn't shoot a bucket to take the lead. They made two free throws. They made two free throws on a play that honestly could have been called a jump ball. I would say I never argue with jump balls and, and non-jump balls. I typically try not to. But the fact of the matter is, for me, for me, I don't feel like they're called with much consistency. It's a very bang bang play, and I understand why it wouldn't be called with consistency. But that very well could have been a jump ball. Instead, it was called a foul. They benefited from that. I wouldn't call it controversial. Just slightly. And with air quotes. I want to try to dumb down as much of the controversy as I possibly can because that's truthfully not why they won the game. It's just why they were able to get to the free throw line to put in the two free throws to win the game. But the reason they even had that opportunity is because Kaheem Brown and Joe Bryant had a miscommunication on the inbounds and he threw it and, and Brown threw the ball away. He thought Brian was going to be somewhere. He wasn't Threw the ball there. Bryant had already cut cross court, basically by the boom, by the bing ball goes out of bounds. Now Howard has the ball and they actually have the possession that allows them to be, allows them to be fouled. That's the, that's the situation. It allows them to actually be fouled. All of these three moments go together and they all happen within the last 16 seconds. And that's the reason that Howard was able to hold on. That's the reason that Howard was able to survive. That being said, because I kind of feel like tone in this is very important. Howard is a great team. I think that Howard deserved to win. I just also think that in this specific game, it wasn't their best showing in the second half. And sometimes you have to survive. Norfolk State, as great as we talk about them, 
has had a game, two games, where they had to come back from 20 points down. Sometimes you have to survive. Sometimes it's not going to look as pretty as a blowout versus Maryland Eastern Shore. That's not always going to be the case. Tough games are a part of the territory, and now they are the champions. To be the man, you got to beat the man. Howard beat the man, so what does that make them? Now, Southern, they knocked off Jackson State before we even got to the finals. So they're in a little bit of a different situation, but thankfully, because they won, they allowed me to keep this theme of talking about the defending champions because there was no way I wasn't going to talk about the SWAC women's basketball champions going in 2023 as we continue with Locked on HBCU. Before we do that, today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. And FanDuel is the official sports book of the Locked On Podcast Network. If you're down to make some money, March Madness is here. I told you to go to Locked On College Basketball so that you can be a little bit more educated. And then you take that knowledge from the show and you go to FanDuel. Tell me if you think that Texas Southern is going to make up the spread. Do you think they could probably maybe even pull off the upset? There's a lot of things to go here. And we're going to focus on the NCAA tournament, but don't forget about NBA basketball. Don't forget about um, hockey. Don't forget about those things because they're all present on FanDuel.com. Just go down below at FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel.com slash locked on. Make every moment more. As we're wrapping up today's episode of Locked on HBCU, I appreciate you for making us your first listen of the day every day for your second listen, or excuse me, and also making it all the way to segment three. Y'all know that I appreciate that, guys. Now, Southern was able to carry the momentum that they had from knocking off Jackson State in the semifinals to defeating University of Arkansas at Pine Bluff in the finals. I told you we're going to reiterate this point every single time, but the legend Curtis Jackson, better known as 50 Cent, he once said on a song, he said, if David could go at, at Goliath, or excuse me, if David could go against Goliath with the stone, I can go at Nas and Jigga, both for the throne. Now, what does that mean in this situation? Jackson State has won the SWAC regular season title four years in a row. The first year they won it, pandemic canceled out the tournament. The second and third year that they won it, they also won the SWAC tournament. They've dominated this division for four years. They won it this year, too. If David can go at Goliath, then Southern can go at Jackson State for the throne. Essentially, it doesn't flow the same, but I also didn't make get Richard die trying. So it is what it is. Luckily for me, Jackson State lost to the team that eventually won the championship. So now I get to kind of go with the theme and it's OK. I like that. But here's the thing. We've drawn the parallel between. David Goliath, 50 Cent, Jigganaz, uh, and then also Jay, not Jay, but also Jackson State and Southern. We see the team that feels unbeatable, the team that feels like they're on top of the world and will never go down. They've been dominating for a long time. They're the beast who needed to be slayed, and they finally have been. This is the first time that somebody has actually knocked Jackson State out in four years. We have to remember that. This is the first time that has happened in four years. I want to take a quick second to ask this question. Was this season a failure for Jackson State women's basketball? And I don't say that to be funny. The situation is once you become accustomed to a certain level of success, that's what you expect. So I think this is a fair question. See, in the NFL, there's certain teams that Super Bowl or bust. 
Not everybody has the luxury of looking at the end of their season that way, but there's certain teams who go into every season knowing they could be the champions. Go into every season knowing, basically, if we don't win the Super Bowl, we failed. Even though that's everybody's ultimate goal, not everybody has the Super Bowl or bust mentality. I feel like Jackson State could have that with a SWAC tournament. See, they're not like Texas Southern and Norfolk, who we talked about earlier. They're not returning a Jordan Carl Nicholas, a George, uh, John Walker III. They're not returning a Chris Banks and a Joe Bryant. They're not bringing back their stars. They lost a Misha Williams holiday. They lost their star. Can we still expect the same thing from them? I think that by no means that they have a bad season. By no means that they have a bad season. Matter of fact, they had a good season. But I just wonder if the expectations are so high from this team every single year. Does not winning for the first time in four years feel like a failure? I don't know. I would love to know what you think, though. I would love to know what you think. And let me know if you're a Jackson State fan or not, because that kind of does impact how I look at it, because you know what your expectations are if you're Jackson State. If you're not, you're just objectively looking at it and saying, well, that's not you have no personal stake in it. So I do like to know if you're a Jackson State fan or not. But Southern, John Walton, my guy. I know I told you Tuesday I should probably tweet you and say that y'all being talked about. But uh, <laughs> they were able to win in the most improbable way. I feel like this was the most shocking loss of the tournament or most, most shocking win, most shocking outcome, however you want to phrase it, of the entire tournament because you knocked off Goliath. But then you also did it with a running three-pointer that I did not think was going to make it. Even watching it, I didn't think was going to go down. And then it went down and my mouth dropped, right? So the shot went down and my jaw just went right with it. I was, I was absolutely floored. I didn't think that was going to happen. I kind of, I, I expected Jackson State to come through and just run through the competition. But the reason that Southern was able to win, because I don't want to make this too much about the defending champions, the reason that Southern was able to win is because they combined what they're really good at with something they had been okay kind of struggling at throughout most of the season. And it's not about Amani McWayne. It's not about Aaliyah Fontenot making the three. It's not about any of those things. It's not about Geneva Johnson. It's not about any of those things. It's simply about the fact that they're a great defensive team who finally put it together on offense. That's what it's about. All year, they've been stiff on defense. All year, they've barely allowed teams to get to 60 points. But you know who did get to 60 points on them? Jackson State, UAPB. Take out seedings. I know seven seed and all of that, first seed and all of that. But take that out. Two teams who are able to hit 60 points on a defense that's tough to score 60 against were UAPB and Jackson State. Southern faced off against both of those teams in this year tournament. Knocked them off. But it's more than that because they've been good. And, you know, even Jackson State scored 60 something points. But finally, they had a five game stretch in which Southern scored more than 60. Up until that point, they had only had a streak of two games in a row scoring 60 plus points. This time they scored 60 or more in every single tournament game and also in the last two games of the regular season. That's how they were able to to come up victorious. That's how they were able to have the tournament MVP, two all-swag tournament, uh, all tournament team players. That's how they were able to do that, combining strong defense with, I would say, a surging offense. And now they carry themselves into the NCAA tournament. But I appreciate you for making us your first listen of the day. Every day on tomorrow's episode, I'm going to tell you why whew, 
I don't know if I'm gonna be able to say this tomorrow and, and, and feel comfortable about saying it still feels weird to me. But the first four is actually a really good thing for HBCU history. And I'll tell you why on tomorrow's episode. So I appreciate you for making us your first listen of the day. Every day for your second listen, check out Locked On College Basketball to get all of the bracket information that you need. Games start tomorrow. So go ahead and check them out today. In the meantime, in between time, if you're looking for me, you can find me on Twitter at South Exclusives. Until the next time that we hear each other, family, take care, stay blessed. Peace.